Hello and welcome to United by Calcio. My name is Christian and I'm joined as always by Robbie. Yes, sir. Robbie, so here we are. It is officially match day 21. We are just getting closer and closer to that last day. Man, right? Yeah, one week at a time. Just crazy though, right? Like it just feels like the 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 sort of tensions, you know, boiling a little bit, right? Like I mean, Juve's on top now. Just just for your just so you know. I yes, I know. I know game in hand and all. I get it. I get it. Yes, but still, still Juve's on top right now, Robbie. Uh after an impressive win. But the tension's boiling, right? Milan is playing well. We'll talk about that obviously in their matchup against Udinese. Um Napoli you know, they're there. Um, <laughs> that's about all I can say after their performance in a Supercopa final. And, uh, well, I mean, the state of the league currently is, uh, I think it's pretty good, right? I mean, you got some good action in the middle of the table. Top of the table is doing just fine, keeping us all excited. What do you think of it? Yeah, all three races are just going to be great. The Champions League rates, the title race, the relegation battle, all of them are going to be great. And it's a three-horse race for the title. A uh, lot of team race for the Champions League spots, yeah. whether they have four or five. Um, of course, That's depending great. on how Italy does in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, still could be like five or six teams fighting for relegation. Good point. And uh, it's a sad part, right? The relegation battle because Salernitana, Empoli, and Verona are currently down at the uh, very bottom. Not too far away, uh, Cagliari, Udinese, and then very surprisingly, I mean, this is just, uh, we were, we've were we been talking about this at this point for a while, but Sassuolo, right? Uh, it's, it's incredibly disappointing. Very, very surprising. I mean, they are not far off here. No, two uh, points. Boy, that is a scary, scary sight. If that team goes down, that is not going to be good financially. I mean, I, I don't want to nope. be a doomsayer, but right. No. I mean, they have a game in hand at the moment. Right. So I I still don't... I think they will break away a little bit. But as of right now, they haven't. Yeah. Well, with that, let's talk about one of these teams that are sort of on the verge of relegation here. We're just talking about Udinese, right? They're uh, currently 16th with 18 points, uh, tied on points uh, with Cagliari. And they played uh, Milan at home. And what do you know? They gave Milan a run for their money. I mean, really, like it took until the very last second. Noah Okafor came up big for Milan. The 93rd minute is when he scores a game winner. What a finish, right? Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, it was an unbelievable game watching it. Right. It's you feel for both sides. Like what a massive, massive win. Like what a moment for Noah Okafor. For Jovic, mm-hmm. like Milan as a whole, they stay in the title race. They keep on chugging three more points. But what heartbreak for yeah. Udinese. Like you have to get a result in that winning position. You do. You're up two to one late and you just concede to tie it up. And then bang at the ver at the death, Noah Okafor yeah. just puts the dagger in and it's just those every point counts in a relegation battle, so Absolutely. it's it's going to be tight, and you just hope if for Udinese's sake that you don't look back in the end of the season and be like, "Hmm, that's not good." Like, no, I mean, you you hope this is not sort of the game that that kind of set them, you know, sort of back for good kind of thing, because it is heartbreaking. They they played their hearts out. The stats do show them constantly, you know, fighting, right? They were fighting for it. Granted, the possession was not in their favor, right? Milan were dominating possession in this game. Sorry, my thing was 3% uploaded. We can edit ah. this out. And I was yeah. uh, I was like, ooh, now it's 99, so we're good. Okay, it was 3% for like a good minute. I was like, mm. I, I appreciate you waving your hands. Uh, but... Yeah, so Milan uh, were dominating possession in this game. I right? have 471 passes completed uh, to 156 for Udinese. That's crazy. 
Um, not completed, by the way. I apologize. It was 471 total passes, 80%, 86% accuracy. Uh, well well played on that part. But Udinese somehow came back in. Their XG in this game was 0.55. They scored two goals. They overperformed, obviously. So clearly they were they were in it, right? Yeah, I mean, they were definitely in it. The Thavin goal was really well worked by him to stay on, like, like stay in the moment because right. he loses the ball. Milan defenders just kind of stumble over each other and the ball just pops right back out to him, gets gifted it, and then just fires it past uh, Mignon. Yeah, and then Samardzic uh, as well scores, 42nd minute. And you've got the... Uh... The, the, tales, the talisman, sorry, the talisman for Udinese scoring here yet again. And we, we don't know where he's going at this point. Obviously, he's going to go somewhere, but the rumors are are still swirling. Uh, Napoli's been mentioned. I think Milan's been mentioned at some points. Uh, Juve, obviously, have been mentioned. But, you know, we'll see where that one goes. Uh, but, yeah, so so he comes up big for them as well. But then on the flip side, you've got Ro- uh, Robin, uh, Ruben, sorry, Loftus Cheek, uh, who comes up big as well for Milan. He he performed uh, very well in this game. He scores, in fact. And then Giroud as well has an assist. His seventh of the season, bringing him to 17 total goal contributions. What a season. Yeah. And I mean, he probably should have had a goal on uh, Jovic's one that it just barely didn't go over the line and <laughs> Jovic had the easiest goal of his life tapping that in but you know hey a goal is a goal yeah. it's on yeah, the it stat is. sheet absolutely that's right well I mean that's the thing right you got to give it to him right uh Jovic has four goals and one assist now this season so you know he's doing fine he's doing fine for for the for his role fine you know uh, he's doing what, what what's expected of him now I, I'd say the the midfield overall performed pretty well for Milan uh, defense, yeah, you know, so so. Car was fine, generally, okay. Um, though the forwards are the real stars here, of course. I mean, Pulisic, Leao, and Giroud again, just on fire, right? I mean, they are just pressing and pressing constantly. Uh, who thought this trio would just come together so quickly, right? Pulisic's first season in Serie A, and I mean, he is fitting right in. Yeah, I mean, it's just. It's very uncommon for players to come into the league immediately and feel like they've been here forever. Right. It just feels like these three have been playing forever. I mean, obviously, Drew and Leal played together before, Mm -hmm. like in years past at Milan, and then Drew and Pulisic played in years past, but never all together. But it just, there's so many new faces, and they're all seamlessly fitting in and just playing really quality football. Incredible, uh, incredible, and 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 one more. Uh, I, I want to forget this guy because Adli has been just fantastic for Milan. He had a big game for them last week as well, right? Um, but he's been fantastic for this team. Um, what an incredible pickup for Milan, and this is some of the some of the great transfer uh, work they've they've done over the last season, right? Uh, really credit to their department, their scouting uh, work, their their the people that run their front office there. Really, really wonderful job. What a pickup. Yeah, great job. Like, they got him from Bordeaux, loaned him yeah. back out, so he got even more experience there at Bordeaux. And then finally, when they felt he was ready, he came back, and now he's performing at a really high level. And, yeah, like you said, it's a great pickup. Just really solidifies the midfield, especially when they needed that after losing yeah. Tonali. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so all systems go are for Milan right now. Like they are yeah. quietly having an unbelievable season. They are. And if they just keep keep pushing, they'll be there at the end. Well, that's the thing too, right? Uh, they've been doing this in such a, uh, an economical manner too, which is fantastic, right? It's hard to do. Uh, it's hard to accomplish. Uh, but but they're showing that there's a blueprint for it. They picked up Munsa, right? They picked up a Pulisic. They picked up uh, Adli and Reinders. Not not exactly for large sums of money. I mean, not small, but not large sums of money, right? They've been doing great business, uh, all in all. And it's reflected in their team's sort of nature. It seems like everybody fits together well. Everybody gels together. 
because as we've seen with many other teams, right, they, they bring on so many new players and they don't think about how those players are going to impact the locker room, the balance of the team and the balance uh, just on the field, right? There's how egos sort of in, in, interlope uh, right on the field. Uh, and they've done a wonderful job here. It doesn't seem like it's a, a war of egos out there. It seems like there's a genuine team effort to try and get ahead. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like I am going to give a lot of credit to Giroud, like when because mm-hmm. he's obviously that veteran, experienced person, um, player, and right. he leads that front line. And then you obviously, of course, had Ibra last year, and he's now in the management side, and I'm sure he's in there talking to the team as well. Pioli yeah. experienced it all under those players as well. Um, like they have a good mixture of youth and experience. Yeah, absolutely. They do. Uh, it, it really is working fantastic for them. And I like the fact that, you know, you've got Teo Hernandez, right. Who's uh, clearly uh, committed to this team, right? He's, he had every opportunity. He's had every opportunity to be able to call uh, a way out. Right. But he appreciated the fact that this team really took him on at a time in his career where he was sort of being sidelined, right? He was at Real. And uh, they kind of sidelined him. Uh, he just wasn't a part of their plans. And, uh, well, I mean, it's sort of being paid back. Again, savvy business. I mean, we've talked about Magnan before. Uh, they, they definitely need to do a little more in terms of center uh, center backs and, what, and whatnot. But uh, I don't think uh, that's going to be a problem in the future. There's plenty of center backs out there. But I, I genuinely am impressed with the way they've rebuilt this Milan team for the future, right? You could see this team keeping this up for another five six years right yeah and you just hope that they're able to keep the talent and if they do let uh leao or ateo go right they sell them for large amounts of money where they fill it mm-hmm. in like they did after tonali um, that's right and keep the business going um but of course maldini isn't there and how yes. much of it was him compared to someone else um it's a great point so that's that's, that's a, something, something to look at see for about. Sure. And also one thing I definitely feel like we have to mention is credit to the teams, both Udinese and Milan for backing Mignan that's in right. the moment where he, he had racial slurs mm-hmm. uh, yelled at him. Credit to the teams for walking off the pitch. Like there's no, no place for it. No. Um, no, there isn't. So credit to them. Like just back your players. Like there's no need for any kind of hate in the game. No, no, there isn't. And credit to them, the referees, for acknowledging it, getting off Mm -hmm. the field. Like, hopefully they got the person who, or people who were yelling the slurs and everything. Um, I mean, I wish there was a way to, like, really punish those people. Because, like, it just feels like it keeps happening over and over again. No, I mean you're completely right. As uh, all, all the amazing things we've, we were talking about with with Milan and, and their incredible um, job this last season, and and, and you're right. Uh, this is a really somber point, and not a point that we're exactly unfamiliar with. Uh, this is it seems like we just yesterday when uh, a young Moisa Ken, right, when he was much younger, mm-hmm. was playing against Cagliari and right, he was in, uh, he was experiencing horrible racial slurs at at the hands of Cagliari fans, right? Uh, and that that was a very bad in my mind, that was a very poor reaction from Juventus players and Juventus uh uh management uh to that. They did not defend him, they did not protect him, the referee didn't do anything. This is the first time I've genuinely seen a game where a player experiences racial abuse and nobody's sitting there trying to placate the player on the field and saying, calm down, calm down, it's okay, trying to hold them back, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to sit there and play that game. They, they all understand the consequences of this, right? He's a human being first and foremost. And he's Absolutely. just being taunted by assholes. Uh, let's put it frankly, right? I mean, I, I hate to put it that way, but that's all that that's all that, that it is. These are not yeah. soccer fans, right? These are not people that that genuinely care about human beings and are just there to watch a game. They're hateful people. They they're they're not a part of this game. They shouldn't be a part of these stadiums. And uh, honestly, 
the, the stadiums, uh, stadium staff, the team staff, whoever it is, need to do better in terms of finding who these people are and not letting them come back in for, for life, whatever it takes. And I'm, I'm honestly a proponent of like the, the idea of uh, when you're running into these kinds of issues, and this is happening repetitively at your stadium, there has to be some consequence, even to your good fans, right? To an extent, that's sort of how things work, right? There's enough consequence. You end up getting to the point where you're like, you know what? You push the crap out, so to speak, right? You push the bad mm-hmm. fans out. You root them out. So, yes, it's kind of harsh to, like, ban the team's fans to come, from, from coming to games, right? Yes, it's very harsh for, like, one, two, three, four games, whatever it is. But it's necessary. Because Mike Magnan does not deserve to be racially abused. Yeah. There, there's no place in it. Like, and it's hard to be what's the best solution for going forward. Like, how do we fix this? Like, should matches be abandoned? Like, it's hard. It's such a hard topic to know what is the right solution because nothing's ever going to make up for that. Like, that person's a hateful person and has right. no reason to ever be anywhere around a football match. And you don't want to penalize everyone because, like, of course, one person doesn't sum up a thousand. Of but course, of course. You have to find a way to punish them somehow. And it's such a difficult conversation of just how to do that. Like, and that's just time, effort has to be put in from right. all involved, all teams, the federation, everything to get this right. Because it does feel like it happens more now in Italy. Yeah than anywhere else um and that's a problem like just it is it is absolutely you just gotta fix it somehow some way that's the thing right it's happening more and more and it just seems like er everyone knows who these fans are right everybody knows who they are Uh, i don't think it's a mystery the reality is there's no place for it in this world in the 21st century right 2024 to be targeting people with these horrible racial uh, racially motivated um just violent horrible things to say to somebody like they're playing a game and i you know i've I've heard this justification before and it just bothers me to no end that oh well you know they're just trying to um i've heard someone say they're just trying to uh you know disrupt them or they're just being you know sort of mean or rude or whatever it is it doesn't matter right like you can be mean and rude in so many other ways you can call them a horrible player you can call them names whatever it is talk about their sister i i don't care (laughs) racially motivated attacks are not okay like dehumanizing somebody is not the same thing as calling them a loser and a horrible player right go ahead banter do it Plenty of fans do it. It's kind of hilarious sometimes. But this is not funny when you're targeting no. a person's humanity. No, it's a very serious topic. And I mean, I wouldn't condone, you know, talking about other people's family. Like, that's. I agree. I agree. <laughs> like, but I, I'm just but, drawing uh, the line here. Yeah. I'm drawing the line here, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not the same thing. But yeah, uh, banter about their how they play on the pitch. Like, that's. Like, that's it. Like, just. Yeah. Like. Bring whistles to the game. Whistle them. Like what Inter did with Lukaku. Just whistle them every time he touches the ball. Yeah. Whistle, whistle, whistle. It'll get in there. Like that's, that can be frustrating. It'll get in their like, head. Yeah, absolutely. Get in their head. But it's like a, a respectful way to do it. Right. It's not like it is. you're killing the guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just targeting because of just their existence, right? On this planet, essentially, is, is a reason for it, right? That There's no other way to look at it. Either you're essentially saying that this person's exist, mere existence is bothering you. Not cool. I mean, again, Mike Magnan is not the first. Balotelli experienced this multiple times. Uh, and he was not getting any backing at the time. I mean, he's experienced this, I feel like, in every league he's been in at this point. Uh, Moise Ken has experienced this. I mean, this has happened over and over again. Lukaku has experienced, experienced this multiple times, including at Juventus Stadium, by the way. And Juventus were okay in dealing with that. Fine. Not good enough, but, you know, the, the issue is at the end of the day, the clubs need to come back and, and not respond. This has happened multiple times where clubs 
that have had this happen at their stadium come back and say, well, you know, not all the fans, that's their sort of rationale. That's their sort of response mm-hmm. to it. It's not all the fans. It's come on. It's one or two bad apples. You're like, well, come on. It doesn't matter if it's one or two bad apples. Are we, are we seeing somebody who's dehumanizing someone else? That's, that's a question, right? Yeah. Simple yes or no. Exactly. Like just find the bad apples and get right. them out. At the very minimum. Exactly. But we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, like you said, this issue has been getting worse. Uh, it seems like, uh, as of late, but you know, as difficult as it is to move on from a topic like that and, and Mike Magnan, uh, we're, we're with him a hundred percent. Uh, he's a fantastic player and a, and a great person and a very, very strong, strong person for coming back on the field afterwards and, and performing, uh, the way he did. Right. Um, that's that's absolutely amazing. I mean, he led his team to to victory, and uh, let's transition with that to uh, Juventus uh, at this week. At this point, I mean, um, we'll start off with the match day twenty uh, matchup uh, against Sassuolo because that was played on a Tuesday uh, after we recorded uh, for match day twenty. Uh, now this matchup was a pretty pretty simple, straightforward matchup. I mean. Juve came in, possession was pretty balanced, but Juve really dominated the game. They were they were really the the the, the main component of this game, right? Berardi was okay, nothing nothing great. Loriente uh, Loriente had a couple of opportunities. Um, definitely a very dynamic player. I know I've been talking about him since the beginning of the season, and of course Vlaovic, two goals, one just a wonderful first goal, and then a second free, a second goal a free kick was. Fantastic. Love to see it. Followed by Chiesa in the 89th minute. Uh, what do we uh, What do we take away from this game, Robbie? I mean, Dusan Vlavic had a I'm him performance. Like, yeah. yeah, he did. The top right corner for the first goal, for one of the goals, top left mm-hmm. corner for the other. And it's just, what a goal on both yeah. of them, both the free kick and the, the open play one. Just absolutely smashed him. And he's had five goals in his last three games. Um, yeah. so he's catching fire and that's exactly what Juventus need. It was a, it was a very easy win for them. They, they just breezed through They did, and yeah, I mean, Chiesa's goal really had to, he didn't, he really had to score it to ruin our prediction. We both predicted two zero and <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the 89th minute, he taps it, in, he gets it in yeah. for the third and we're like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> that was a great little layoff, though, by the way. But uh, yeah, I was I was thinking the exact same thing when he scored that. I'm like, come on, man. Get a <laughs> uh, but that was a good little layoff there. A good, good little teamwork. Uh, I got to give it to him. You know, he, he earned it. I'll, I'll let him have the let him have the, the, the joy there. He hasn't scored in a little while. But overall, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is this is definitely a Juve game um, for sure. Uh, statistics, you know, are sort of deceptive in that regard. It makes it seem like it was a lot more balanced. It really was not. Uh, I think Juve just did a good job of letting Sassuolo have the ball, in a sense, and just playing off of it, right? Capitalizing on mistakes, uh, intercepting, and then just taking advantage of those opportunities. And they did. This is a thing that we've been talking about all season. Juve have been lacking the ability to take advantage, capitalize on these mistakes that, that opponents make, right? And uh, consistently do so. Right and finish finish games off, and they have, they've been finishing games off for a little while now. I would say. Yeah, a lot of their games, like for when we were talking about them earlier in the season, it was yeah, it's not pretty, but they're winning mm-hmm. the game, and that's all that matters. And they right. were just winning one nothing, like it was very, it wasn't pretty, but it you know got the job done. Now it's exactly. okay. They get the second goal. They're killing the game, and. It's a much more scarier Juve as yeah. we go into the title season. Absolutely. This is definitely a much more threatening Juve. I mean, especially with Dusan Vlaovic coming into his own. Um, Chiesa scored, yes, right? But that was a sort of a garbage time um, you know, score in a sense. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not entirely convinced. I'm not sure what's going on. I, I'll be perfectly frank with you. Uh, I... I, I don't know. Maybe you can offer me some insight here. Maybe I'm a little biased here, but I'm I'm sort of waiting to see that little little bit of of that difference maker component 
to Chiesa's play, and I'm I'm really missing it at times. Yeah, I mean, we obviously know the ceiling of Chiesa. He can be awesome. But I feel like it's tough because he's not getting consistent minutes at this point. Right. Where he's going to be able to get back to what he was. Because he, he's, of course, coming off an injury. And right. then when you don't get just handed those minutes back and you have to really earn those minutes, mm-hmm. it's a situation where he hasn't really been in before because they're handing all his minutes to Yildiz. And, yep. Which is nice. Like, that's great. You've got the 18-year-old playing, but now you got your superstar not playing. And that's yeah. why for me, like I said last part, like I want to see all three of those players, Yulis, Vlavic, and Keza, all in the same field all at the same time. Like you yeah. put your best players in. Of course, I agree. they won 3 nothing. So like, but in both games. So yeah. of course, don't fix what ain't broke. But at Absolutely. some point, they're not going to be winning these games this easily, you think. That's it. So why not throw all three in when that happens? Well, that's the thing, right? You you mentioned this last episode. I think we talked about the last couple of episodes, and you're completely right. I agree with you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I could see this happen as well. All they need to do is just transition to a back four, right? Um, and uh, have uh, just one of the backs, uh, left or right back, uh, sort of playing more offensively, maintaining a, a three-back shape. Uh, you push Kiesa either on the left or right wing, You'd have Vlaovic, obviously, as a striker. Gilditz as, as a 10, right right behind Vlaovic. And then you throw whoever else uh, on the wings there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe throw Kostic on there. I'm not quite sure. Um, he's a bit of a different player, but you can. Let's see Let's see how that goes. You have you also got Iling Jr. You've got Sule, right, who's just on fire on loan this season at uh, Frosinone. Uh, I think he scored nine or ten goals at this point. And one assist, which just impressive. Uh, but the the thing is that there are options uh, now. On that note, do you see any of those happening? Do you see that formation change at some point? Not necessarily now, because things are going well. Do you see that happening? Do you see that that, that being a reality? Uh, no, I just feel like Allegri is stubborn in his own ways. Um, that he's always going to play the more defensive side, and this way he's able to rotate when he needs to, keeping players fresh. Not that their games are very, like, stuck together. Like, they, of course, aren't in Europe, so they have more availability. Right. But still good to rotate, and he wants that flexibility. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, You know, I think generally speaking, the way that he's rotating right now is obviously going to be very different when – we're talking about the Champions League. If we make we, we remain in the top four, right? Because if we get into the, into the Champions League next season, then things change, right? Maybe you do have the sort of yield is Chiesa um, flip, right? You sort of utilize one and the other back back to back. I'm not sure if either player is okay with that. I'll be perfectly frank with you. I mean, I'm not quite sure what star players are okay with being benched on a regular basis. Of course, but it's part. not really it's not really a benching. It's more of oh in the game that you're not starting, you're going to come off the bench in 60th minute. And then you get 30 minutes and then you get 90 the next. And then same on like, and that's how it works. Like that's what Inter did last year with Lukaku, Lataro, Dzeko. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just were able to work it that way. And I mean, they seemed pretty happy at least Lukaku, I guess (laughs) clearly wasn't, um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but that's on him. Yeah, 100%. That's definitely on him. Uh, that's a whole different uh, other story. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, with that, I might as well talk about their their follow-up matchup for, obviously, Match Day 21, uh, playing Lecce away. And again, Vlaovic, two goals in this one. And uh, Bremer comes up for, with a third one. And and just one more, one more thing I want to point out. McKenney uh, is on fire. I mean, he's just been throwing assists left and right as of late. And again, we both give him a hard time. We both sort of always talk about how he's not a great player, but he's a good player. He's a fine player. But he's playing very, very well right now. He's a, he's, he's definitely on a hot streak, right? Yeah, I mean, he's playing really well, and he should have had a goal in that mm-hmm. game. But Dusan, of course, tapped it in instead of letting <laughs> it go in, which is fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm over it, but I still wanted to see the Harry Potter celebration that McKinney always does. It's great. It was good. It would have been his first goal of the year. 
Like that's, and like you saw Weston's <laughs> face after it goes in, he's just looking at you. So I'm like, what, what the heck, man? <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> uh, was just like, no, that's mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wanted his 11th goal this season. I think Vlavich just was really looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, you brings want your first goal on May 11th. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, Weston could have gotten his first, but no, this guy needs his 11th, which is fine. No, it's like, no. That's a striker mentality you need. Just got to get in the back of that. Pound them all. Oh, in. I will take it. I will 100% take it. I mean, Samuel Illing Jr. provides an assist as well for the last goal there. And then Bremer puts it away. You know, typical Bremer stuff. Bremer's just fantastic. He's a rock solid core of that defense. He is the guy that sort of, uh, he's a linchpin. We cannot lose him. Juve cannot afford to lose Bremer. Bremer is, is the guy. He's uh, he's coming to his own, honestly, uh, this season more than ever. He's really taking on the responsibility. And there's definitely been a lot of pressure on him, right? He's a, he, but he's responding adequately. Uh, and so is Cambiasso, by the way. Cambiasso played very well. Klosic is playing well. Locatelli's been playing better and better, in my view. Uh, he's been really settling into his role there, finally. It's about damn time. Um, and on the other end of things, Lecce just were completely uninspired. There was really not much of anything going on over there. Yeah, Juventus just imposed their will on the game. Yeah. And it just felt like they were overwhelmed, even though the first goal didn't come until the 60th minute, 59th. Right. But it just felt like it was coming. And then it, it did. And then as soon as that happened, floodgates opened. Um. But yeah, I mean, Lecce have done a good job this season in getting points out of games. Like, yeah. They've gotten 13 uh, points and 13 out of 21. Just nine of them are draws. Yeah. Um, but in Juve were just too much for them. What are we making of, of this matchup for in terms of what it says, perhaps, for these teams' form currently and as far as uh, the, the rest of the season? I mean, Juventus, you, of course, have all the confidence in the world. You are on fire, won 3 nothing two times in a row. You're really – your biggest flaw in the early part of the season was not having enough goals and not comfortably winning games. Now they're doing it. They're in first at the moment. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're flying high. So, really, that's all you can feel. Like, you feel great as a Juventus fan or, like, players, like, you're in first. You're doing exactly what you need to do. You have only yourself to worry about. And then Lecce, I mean, you're four points above relegation spot. So it's going to be a grind. Got to try and get points anywhere you can, especially at home. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is definitely a, a bit of a concerning uh, look because you look at the bottom half of the table, uh, and boy, there's a bit of a bunching there, right? In terms of the, the teams that are at risk of relegation. There's a lot of teams that are in contention that are very, very close, uncomfortably so. And uh, let's you not far from that, like you just mentioned. Uh, with that, though, we'll see. We've still got a, a lot left to play, right? We've got 17 more weeks to go at this point. So plenty of action, plenty of time for these teams to, to change their destinies, right? And for the bottom three to be surprisingly different than what they are right now. So with that, a uh, pretty amazing couple of matches there for Juve. Clearly there's a lot of momentum. I'm not sure what the hell is going on, but keep scoring. 3-0, 4-0. I mean, this is amazing. 17 matches in a row, unbeaten at this point. That's Very a good impressive. streak. Is that, I think that might be the second highest after Leverkusen, right? Who are currently on a 24-game unbeaten streak. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. Got to give it to Bayern, by the way. I mean, they have not lost a game this season. That yeah. is impressive. They were close on uh, on Saturday or <laughs> Sunday, whatever day that was. But it was a tight game. But yeah. Well played. Well played. Well, with that, let's move on to the next matchup we're covering here. Um, and, well, this is done for uh, as far as the... Um, uh, the big matches, but Empoli-Monza, this was more of a surprise. I think it's important to cover just because of the fact that I did not personally expect Monza to lose 3-0 to Empoli, right? Did you? Was this no. out in, in your bingo cards for this year? <laughs> no. Uh, Zerkowski hat-trick was not on my bingo cards. He has four <laughs> goals in two games with 
since coming from Serie B, he had zero goals in Serie B. <laughs> and in his first two games in for Empoli, four goals. And massive win for Empoli. Yeah. Because they were starting to fall back where it was like, okay, we're basically automatically getting relegated if we don't find a way to win some of these games. Absolutely. They find a way to win. And now they're only two back from Cagliari who are in safety. So they got it all to play. They just got to keep finding a way to get points. I mean, maybe Zerkowski, you know, Seri B wasn't his level, but Seri A is. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. So he's just he's, playing up. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, two games, four goals. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a great. I mean, for Hattrick in, in the second game, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. You, you know, you got to give it to him. It still does surprise me, though, that this Monza team lost in this way to Empoli, right? And this, you know, sort of goes to the, to more so the, the conversation about the fact that these teams, nothing's black and white, right? You go you go away to a team like Empoli or Salernitana or Verona, right? Nothing's a given. They're difficult teams to play, especially at home. Their atmospheres, the fans, etc. There's there, there's so many impacts, and also let's not forget the fact that Monza are going through a bit of a funk right now. I mean, they have lost three of their last five, drawn one against uh, Napoli, which is a good result, uh, and then winning three two versus uh, Frosinone. So, what are we making of this? Yeah, I mean, it's tough for Monza. Like, you don't want to give you want you don't want to crush the goalie. Too much, no. uh, Sorrentino. But it's tough because one of their best players is Di Gregorio, exactly. and he's out, and he's been out for two and a half matches, and they've led in five goals and then three goals without him. Yeah. Now, granted, they didn't score any in this game, so they need to find a ways to score goals. Clearly, mm-hmm. um, but you wonder how much of an impact he makes. Because of just like the security those defenders can feel, because they know he's going to save so many shots. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then Colombo really didn't play well no, he did at not. striker. And it feels like that's kind of been consistent. Um, like he leaves a lot to be desired. Um, hence why Carboni has been starting a lot more in that like yep. second striker or striker spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think like, oh, when he does get these opportunities, especially against Empley, yeah, he has to take advantage, and he just did not take advantage, which is concerning. It is. I mean, luckily for him, he's only twenty-one, right? So he's got sure. time to develop, and you know, I think they, they're still going to give him uh, more time because I mean, just I think this is his first season here, right, with Monza. So Monza, they just yeah. got him in. Yeah, uh, he was on so, last year. Right, and he scored that crucial penalty uh, at the end of last season that saved Lecce, right, from relegation, which was uh, insane. I remember that clip. Boy, what a, what a, what a scene. Um, but, yeah, he's not been performing. He's definitely not been performing the way uh, I've expected, anyone's expected. Three goals, one assist in 19 matches, of which 14 were started. Not good. These are not the kind of, uh, kind of results you're expecting. Uh, I always mentioned Kolpani as well. I mean, uh, you know, I love him. He's a great player. I think he's got great potential as well, but like he's not been performing as well. Uh, the last seven games or so, it's been pretty pretty rough. Uh, inconsistent. Six goals, one assist, and 20 matches started. Not good. Uh, definitely needs to be more there. Yeah. For him, it's more you want him to see him consistency. Like he hasn't right. had a goal or an assist since November 11th against Reno. Right. So... I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine matches where he just yeah. hasn't had a contribution. Yep. Like from on the stat sheet, which is concerning because he is that guy. Like he is yep. their focal point. Mm-hmm. So when that doesn't happen, you're probably not going to play well as a team if your best no. player or quote unquote best player isn't getting those contributions. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're absolutely right. And he definitely has not been uh, coming up with those assists and goals for this Monza team. And they've struggled. Now, Rodrigo Di Gregorio is slated to come back sometime mid-February. So hopefully that'll be good news for them because he is far and away their their 
sort of cornerstone, right? He's their main piece. That guy is, is a, the, the thing that keeps them in the game the whole time, right? Yeah. I mean, it just feels like every time I watch him play, it's unbelievable the amount of saves he makes that he shouldn't. It just feels like like I can't wait to see him play for a massive team. No <laughs> offense to Monza. Um, but just to see him in big moments come up, if it's for Italy or for one yeah. of the bigger Italy teams, like he's just such a great player. Absolutely. And I'm excited to see the future for him. Oh, 100%. And that's no no offense to Sorrentino, by the way. There's only so much you can do when you're constantly, yeah, being, sure. you know, it uh, doesn't matter how good you are. Every, even the best goalkeepers, if your defense is not helping you out, what are you going to do? You know, some things you can do about it, obviously, but unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. You know. But uh, with that said, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what Monza does in uh, round 22, match day 22 there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, with that, that concludes the match day 21 recap portion. Uh, let's move on to the Supercoppa matchups. Uh, we had the two semifinals, Napoli, Fiorentina, and then Inter-Lazio. And I think it's pretty safe to say, Robbie, that, you know, Inter and Napoli both dispatched their opponents with relative ease. I mean, both won 3-0, right? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I, I think it's funny when you look at the 3 nothing scorelines because, for me, they're just polar opposites. Like, right. Napoli-Fiorentina, it feels like that 3 nothing is quite misleading. Like, Fiorentina were Can be. way more in that game then 3 nothing says right. well the interlazio game that probably should have been 10 nothing like that was <laughs> a slaughter yeah. like yeah, inter yeah. were all over them from minute 1 lazio had mm-hmm. no answers and you expect better from a sorry side to be more prepared be able to weather the storm a little bit more um but they were just too inter was just too much for them and then like fiorentina missed a pen that yeah. could have made that game a lot more interesting. Um, and then Napoli scored two goals late to really kill the game. I mean, you, you got to love the fact, though. I, I do get your point. Uh, Fiorentina was much more in this game than Lazio was in the Inter game, for sure. But Napoli definitely just still had this game, right? Uh, Zerbin scores two pretty much within you know two minutes of the other, right? Uh, does a good job there. Simeone scores as well in the 22nd minute. Di Lorenzo has an assist. Another great game for him. You know, this team played pretty well. You, you'd say after this performance, Fiorentina did not play well, by the way. Let, let's just sort of hone in on that as well, just real quick. They did not play well. This was not a good game for this team, in my view. It was not, not a good performance uh, to, to speak of, but Napoli had a good, confident performance. You'd think after this, there's no way that the final between Inter and, La- and uh, Napoli, I mean, should should be a bore fest, right? And I don't know if I'd classify it as a bore fest, but Napoli uh, loses to Inter in the final. Uh, 91st minute, Lautaro Martinez comes up with that sweet, sweet strike to just get it over the line. Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, uh, you saw it when... Uh, Simeone went off for the red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just knew it was going to come, and Napoli created mm-hmm. zero chances after it. It was a hundred percent inter until for them after, and yeah. Pavard finds Lataro alone and just That's he right. slots it in. It was beautiful. Um, but yeah, and uh, I mean, it just yeah. couldn't ask for more. I mean, for Napoli, it was a good performance. Like, yes, of sure, course, sure. you didn't get the desired result. But I thought they handled Inter really well defensively. And they shut out Fiorentina. They, of course, played well there. Um, so that's something to build on. Now, granted, they didn't get the result they want, but they can go back there like, all right, we now have a foundation to go and play well in the league and hopefully push for top four. Because um, Skidetto is out of their reach at this point. But, yeah, you know, it's all about stringing the results together because that top four race is wide open. Oh, it definitely is. I, I, I sort of disagree with you on, on, on Napoli performing better 
I I didn't like the performance in this game. They were they were really defensive. Uh, the, the issue is like this is not the Napoli team we're expecting. Right? This is uh, you don't expect to see defensive Napoli. You don't turn Napoli games on for defense. Um, now I'm not saying defense is not important because it is right. You you have to have a good defense for sure. But you you expect more from this team, and they just didn't do enough. Uh, granted, Simeone kind of left them, you know, hanging. And on that note, by the way, nine yellow cards in this game. This includes the two for Simeone. Nine yellow cards between these two teams. This was quite the, uh, you know, intense game. Yeah. One of the dumbest rule, though, these yellows count yeah. for Serie A. Like, Wait, really? They do? Yeah. So Barella and, Hakan, Barella and Hakan are oh. now suspended for Fiorentina for Inter. Which just like, oh, that's why Why is that happening? Like, huh. Now, Hakan was already suspended because he got a yellow against Lazio from right. the game before. And then got mm-hmm. a yellow in this game. So like, it's whatever, one more tally towards getting a second suspension down the line. Um, but yeah, yeah, just that's... like... What a that just feels wrong to me, mainly because like, I agree. I don't think that counts in Coppa Italia. Does that maybe I'm wrong so. there, but I don't think so. But it just feels like that just shouldn't translate. It like, should not. We're talk, this is a glorified cup competition. Yeah. Like, why yeah, is that is. counting for anything in Serie A? There's no reason yeah. for it. No, so there, there you no go. Reason for it, but that, that does impact. Yeah, that you're that's a good point. I to be perfectly frank, I, I totally left that out of my mind so thanks for bringing that up but that will impact the Fiorentina matchup for sure as we will talk about in the preview episode uh coming out on Thursday this week um you know with with that said this uh, Inter team dominated they did what they usually do right Cialanolu Barella just doing what they do Barella the engine Cialanolu just orchestrating everything and then your boy, Lautaro Martinez, comes up with a hugely important goal, right? And you get to celebrate in similar fashion to how Davide Fratesi uh, celebrated, right? Uh, in that uh, game. Yeah, just, cheeks uh, weren't out, ago. though. <laughs> just, the, just the shirt was yeah. Uh, yeah But yeah, I mean, it's such a massive goal. Not only one, you win the cup. That's great. Like, wonderful. That's just exactly what you set out to do. So that's wonderful. Yeah. And it's massive that they didn't go to 30 more minutes of playing. Like it's just yes. unnecessary playing time. If you, you're already not rested, like you just mm-hmm. played Friday. Now you're playing Monday. And so yep. now you play on Sunday, which at least you get six days off, but still you want as much rest as possible. So there was you no do. reason for Lotaro to play another 30 minutes. So just, it was very crucial to get that goal. Um, plus, you wanted to extinguish all hope for Napoli. Yeah. Um, just kill the game as fast as possible. <laughs> and they did. They did. Uh, I mean, it was perfect. By the way, right before that, I think it was Barella, again, in, in a little scuffle in a, in a Napoli's box there. Almost had it. Almost had it. I forget who it was. One of the Napoli defenders came in and kicked, got the ball, got rid of the ball real quick. But then Inter, you know, took possession again and sort of kept coming back and coming back over and over again. Napoli were inviting pressure over and over again. It didn't work for them, right? Ultimately, that's not the kind of team they are. And in my view, that that kind of, they paid a price for it. Um, we'll see where they go from here. But, you know, this is not going to be the biggest heartbreak of all time. Very few, I don't know who cares about the Supercopa, to be perfectly frank, about the trophy itself. Like, it's not that significant. What Nobody are you saying? For... It's the most significant trophy. Back so to back to back Super Copa <laughs> champions. Yes, yes. Only the, the second time that's ever <laughs> happened. The first time being Milan, like in 1950. So, yeah. I'm big sorry, moment. It was I... a great win. How and you know I... what? Inter are going to try and do it again next year, hopefully. I mean, that, that imagines they don't drop out of the top three. Top two, I mean. So well, hopefully they gotta, don't. Gotta hopefully go do don't, that. But we'll see. Um, yeah, with that, this leaves us in a bit of a, an interesting spot, right? 
this is a super copa so kind of screws up the week 21 matchups obviously because a bunch of teams don't play um as a result of this schedules is uh, kind of limited but here we are at the end of this episode having recapped match day 21 and the super copa uh inter win they also get eight million right so did not so there you go yes, sir nice that's a nice little prize for both of them congratulations to inter and uh i'm just gonna give you a moment here to to just gloat as much as you want i mean you you've earned it go ahead go ahead robbie ole 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 inter inter Woo! <laughs> biggest trophy in the world you know it all right you done now? <laughs> are you good oh yeah we're good we're good all right all right just team. Make sure. with that uh thank you for joining us this week uh we will be back uh with an episode on thursday that's the match day 22 preview uh robbie thank you for joining me again this week great discussion thank Johnny. you everyone Follow us everywhere. We are on Instagram, Threads, Twitter, X, whatever the hell it is called this week. And we're also on YouTube. And we got some things working on a pipe uh, pipeline there. We'll uh, announce them as uh, they come. Thank you again. We'll see you all next Thursday. Yes, Ciao. Sir. Ciao.